Chapter Nine of Mary Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty by Imbert de Saint Amand, translated by Elizabeth G. Martin. Chapter Nine. Dumaray, Minister of Foreign Affairs. Madame Roland had wished to reign alone. She saw an influential rival in Dumaray, and at once conceived for him an instinctive repugnance and suspicion she met him first on march twenty three seventeen ninety two at the time when as minister of foreign affairs he came to salute roland just named minister of the interior as his colleague as soon as he departed there said she to her husband is a man with a crafty mind and a false glance against whom it is probably more necessary to be on one's guard than any other person he expressed great satisfaction at the patriotic choice he was deputed to announce but i should not be at all surprised if he were to have you dismissed some day she thought she recognized in dumouriez at first sight a witty roué an insolent chevalier who made sport of everything except his own interests and glory later on she drew the following portrait of him among all his colleagues he had the most of what is called wit and less than any of morality diligent and brave a good general a skilful courtier writing well and expressing himself with ease capable of great enterprises all he lacked was character enough to balance his mind or a cooler brain to carry out the plans he had conceived agreeable to his friends and ready to betray them gallant to women but not at all suited to succeed with those among them who are susceptible to affectionate relations he was made for the ministerial intrigues of a corrupt court the nomination of dumouriez as minister of foreign affairs is one of the most curious and unforeseen events of this strange epoch few men have had a career so adventurous and agitated as his a complex and mobile nature where the intriguer and the great man were blended into one he never commanded esteem but at certain moments he secured admiration napoleon i seems to have been too severe when he said of him that he was only a miserable intriguer the man who opened the series of great french victories and who saved his country from invasion by his admirable defence of the defiles of argonne merited more than this disdainful mention it is none the less certain however that one sense as it were an air of beaumarchais in the memoirs of dumouriez and that there is more than one length of character and existence between the author of the mariage de figaro and the victor of jemapis both were men without principles 
but full of resource wit and fascination both were lovable in spite of their great defects because of their humanity and kindness both belonged at the same time to the old regime and the revolution before arriving at celebrity each had a stormy youth tormented by the love of pleasure the need of money and the sort of perpetual restlessness they flattered every power of the time sought fortune by the most circuitous ways were diplomatic couriers and secret agents before coming out into the open daylight they made trial of their marvellous address in obscurity and signalized themselves among those men of action and initiative whose governments which make use of them in occult ways first launched then compromised disavowed and sometimes imprisoned born at cambrai january twenty fifth seventeen thirty nine dumouriez belonged to a family of the upper middle class entering the army early he distinguished himself by his high spirits and courage as a coronet of the plenthievery cavalry he served in the german campaigns from seventeen fifty eight to seventeen sixty one and was invalided in seventeen sixty three he spent twenty-four years at the wars and brought back nothing but twenty-two wounds the rank of captain a decoration and some debts seeking then a new career he entered thanks to his connections with favier the secret diplomacy of louis the fifteenth and was sent to corsica italy and portugal he returned to the army in seventeen sixty eight and made a brilliant record in the corsican campaign obtaining successively the grades of adjutant major-general adjutant quartermaster and colonel of the cavalry it was he who seized the castle of corte paoli's last asylum in seventeen seventy one he again became a secret agent louis the fifteenth wished to befriend poland in its death struggle but without betraying his hand dumouriez was sent to the polish confederates he was reputed to be merely acting on his own impulses he organized troops and fought successfully against suvarov the future adversary of the french republic but could not save poland that asiatic nation of europe as he called it he came back to paris in seventeen seventy two and the government complying with the demands of russia shut him up for a year in the bastille where he had leisure to meditate on the ingratitude of courts this captivity strengthened his taste for study and far from allaying his ambition gave it renewed force louis the sixteenth put him in command at cherbourg and it was he who conceived the plan of making that town a station for the french marine he was fifty years old when the revolution of seventeen eighty nine broke out at once he saw in it an opportunity for success and glory full of confidence in his own superiority he merely awaited the hour when events should second his ambition he said to himself that the immigration by making a void in the upper ranks of the army was going to leave him free scope 
and that he would be commander-in-chief of the French troops under the new regime. To attain this end, he decided to serve the king, the assembly, and the factions, to assume all parts and all masks, and to be in turn, and simultaneously if need were, the courtier of Louis the Sixteenth and the favorite of the Jacobins. As has been very well said by Monsieur Frédéric Maison in an excellent book, as novel as it is interesting, Le Département des Affaires Estrangères sous la Révolution, de Moray had been accustomed to make his way everywhere, to eat at all tables and listen at all doors. One of the agents of Count d'Artois brought him into relations with Maribot. He was protected by the minister Montmorin. He drew up plans of campaigns for Narbonne. He used the intimate thou to Laporte, the king's confidant and intendant of the civil list. He made use of women also. Separated from his lawful wife, he lived in marital relations with the sister of Rivarol, the Baroness de Beauvert, a charming person who had much intercourse with aristocratic society, who speculated in arms and who was pensioned by the Duke of Orleans, as appears from a letter of Latouche de Triville, the Prince's Chancellor, dated April seventeenth, seventeen eighty nine. Dumouriez, who had expensive tastes, sought at the same time for gold and honors, either by means of the court or revolution. He desired to gain a great fortune and much glory, to become a statesman, a minister, commander-in-chief, and realize his great military plan, the conquest of the natural frontiers of France. He said to himself, He who wills the end wills the means and managed as adroitly with parties as with soldiers. At Niort, where he was in command at the beginning of the revolution, he made himself remarkable by his enthusiasm for the new ideas, and became president of the club and honorary citizen of the town. He contracted an intimacy with Gensonnet, whom the assembly had sent into the departments of the west to observe their spirit in january seventeen ninety two the immigration of general officers had become so considerable that he rose by seniority to the rank of lieutenant-general thereafter he believed his hour had come and threw himself boldly into the political arena the gironde and the jacobins were the two powers then in vogue he flattered both the jacobins and the gironde brissot was the coryphus of the diplomatic committee and the chief of the war party he became the familiar of brissot already in seventeen ninety one he had prepared a memoir on the subject of the ministry of foreign affairs which he had dedicated and read to the jacobins in it he announced singular prediction for the future minister of the king that before fifty years had passed europe would be republican he demanded an immediate and radical change in the diplomatic personnel it is of small importance said he in the same memoir that our representatives would lack experience 
in the first place our interests are greatly simplified moreover our former representatives were young men belonging to the court who had had no political education in a word it is the majesty of the nation which gives our negotiations weight the minister he added should be a man of approved patriotism above all suspicion like the wife of caesar absolute integrity great knowledge of men great firmness a broad and upright mind should complete his character dumouriez perhaps imagined that all these qualities of an ideal minister were reunited in his person however that may be he accepted without any mistrust of his own abilities the portfolio of foreign affairs confided to him march fifteenth seventeen ninety two on account of his relations with the gironde and his popularity with the jacobins he had a high opinion of himself and even after his cruel disappointments he was to write in his memoirs in seventeen ninety four dumouriez sometimes laughed sardonically in his retreat over the judgments passed upon him when he arrived at the ministry the courtiers said and published that he was only a soldier of fortune incapable of conducting political affairs in which he would make nothing but blunders when he commanded an army they told the prussians and the german emperor's troops that he was a mere writer who had never made war and understood nothing about it since he retired with reputation from public employments they have published that up to the date of the revolution he had been an intriguing adventurer a ministerial spy an office sweeper would to god they had employed the adventures of their youth in similar espionages they would not have begun the revolution like factionists they would have conducted it with wisdom they would have preserved the esteem of the nation they would not have been the prime authors of the king's death either by betraying or abandoning him the new minister of foreign affairs began to play his role of leader of the french diplomacy in a singular fashion repairing to the jacobin club he described himself as their liegeman assumed the red bonnet in their presence and with it on his head announced that as soon as war should be declared he would throw away his pen in order to resume his sword let us add that he was simultaneously trying to conciliate the good graces of louis the sixteenth and to persuade him that if he leaned upon the jacobins it was solely in the hope of serving the king and consolidating the throne at the same time he appointed as director of foreign affairs that bon carreri whose portrait has been traced in this wise by brissot falling with all his vices and perverse habits into the midst of a revolution whereby the people had recovered sovereignty he merely changed his idol without changing his idolatry he caressed the people instead of caressing the great made the hall of the jacobins his oeuvre de boeuf played valet to the successful parties one after the other the lamets and the maribots 
and succeeded in raising himself from the secretaryship of the jacobins to the embassy of the Lege, by the aid of that very montmoran who detested the jacobins and could but advance a man who betrayed them dumouriez then following the example of maribot was about to play a double game to be revolutionary with the revolution and a courtier with the court as to madame roland he never placed himself at her feet the despotism of this female minister the pretentious of this demagogic blue-stocking her affectation of puritan rigor her mania for directing everything shocked the good sense of a man who believed that woman is made to please not to reign it was repugnant to this soldier to take his orders from the egeria of the girondins on the other hand dumouriez was displeasing to madame roland she found him too dissolute and not sentimental enough she could not pardon his having madame de bovert for mistress and bonne carrere for confidant she admitted neither his free and easy tone his gallic humour nor his natural gaiety so unlike the declamatory tone and pretentious jargon of the disciples of jean jacques rousseau moreover she found him too much of a royalist too accustomed to the old regime the ministry apparently so homogeneous was soon to be divided against itself End of chapter nine